Hey friends, before we jump into this episode of Film on the Rocks, we just want to let you guys know that our Patreon is now in full swing at patreon.com forward slash film on the rocks. We have a $2 tier to become one of our drinking buddies, Water School 2. This includes early access to episodes, bonus episodes, polls for what we cover, and so much more. So come check it out. Once again, that is patreon.com forward slash film on the rocks. Check the show notes for our links. It's not the years, honey. It's the mileage. Adios, Satipo. Jock! Start the engine! Get it up! You can't do this to me! I'm an American! Snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? It's a transmitter. <laughs> a radio for speaking to God. <laughs> That's fantastic. Today on Film on the Rocks, we are digging into the movie that is the brainchild of Steven Spielberg and George Lucas. It's Raiders of the Lost Ark from 1981. Welcome back to Film on the Rocks. I'm Brucker, and as always, I'm joined by my good compadre, Nate. Nate, how you doing? Dude, I'm feeling adventurous. I'm feeling that whole ass vibe right now, so feeling good. I like it. Oh, man, I'm so excited. Today, as I mentioned up top, we are talking about Raiders of the Lost Ark from 1981. This is just such a fun movie. This is one of, this is one of my favorite movies. This is just such a great time, great movie. I am surprise it's taken us over a year to get into this territory but whoo man i'm so excited to talk about this really fun adventure movie um and just to kind of remind folks at home what all we're doing this month this is kind of on on instagram when we posted our lineup uh Orlean from spooky sisters book club kind of deemed this uh, adventure november and i really like the the sound of that Ooh. so today we're talking about raiders Next week, we're talking about Star Wars A New Hope. Then we're talking about Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. And then we're wrapping things up with Jurassic Park from 1993. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I wanted to kick this off with Raiders just because I feel like that this movie is just pure adventure. It's just fun. Um, The other movies are fun and adventurous as well. But I feel like this is like the purest form of that. And I, I just wanted to kick things off with Raiders and fuck Harrison Ford is so, so handsome. It's hard. It's hard. <laughs> He's so handsome. And like, it's it, every, my girlfriend loves Harrison Ford. And so whenever we watch this movie, every time he, they do like a close up, she's just like, Oh, hot damn. Like I can't. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But yeah. how you doing, Nate? Uh, I'm sorry. I kind of just went off a little tangent there, but yeah, uh, I'm here. I'm here. No, <laughs> I'm doing good, man. Uh, just a little heads up for everybody. I'm sitting on a wicker chair, so if you just hear like me moving around, that's me moving around. You might hear it. So just a heads up. Yeah. Speaking of adventures, but, you're kind of on one right now, a little bit. Yeah, dude. I'm at the beach, man. I'm liking this. Doing a little uh, podcasting on the vacay. So I'm feeling it. Um, but we I just absolutely had to do this recording with you uh, during this time because this movie is like a ton of fun and. Uh, I'm actually like super disappointed in myself for this being only the second time I've seen it. Yeah, that blows my mind. Like I've seen this like dozens of times, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. And the first time I saw it, I was in college. So when I was watching, I was like, damn, dude, this like would have been my personality as a child. Like I would have definitely emulated this movie 
Um, probably a good thing though. I like definitely would have obtained some sort of whip. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> gotten myself into a lot of trouble. So uh, probably a good thing. Dude, you say that I played Indiana Jones so much as a kid. Like I had a bucket hat. That was like the closest thing I could get. I had like a little. I didn't have a satchel, but my dad gave me like this old camera bag that he didn't use anymore. That was like my little like satchel I used. And I had <laughs> jump rope for my whip because every kid on Easter gets jump rope in their basket for some reason. So that every, every Easter new Indiana Jones whip. And yeah, this was just, yeah, when I was a kid that, that, that was my get up and I would just go out in the backyard. We had like woods, just run around the woods, like a crazy little kid and, <laughs> Yeah, dude, this was, like, it was this, Star Wars and Terminator, those were the things I was playing as a kid, and, gosh, this, uh, like I said, this movie is such pure adventure, like, I can't remember the first time I saw this, I definitely grew up with it, um, so, this has just been in my life, you know, forever, and, gosh, and it's such a awesome franchise, this is, like, one of those rare franchises where, like, I feel like each movie in it is is good like they're some of them are better than others but Mm -hmm. there's not it's like one of those rare cases where like the sequels don't really disappoint you too much or like like they're still fun people could still argue which one's their favorite whatnot like this is and it's because it's the it's the collaboration between steven spielberg and george lucas i feel like is what made this movie so perfect just those two juggernauts from like the late seventies and eighties that just had this magical run, just collaborated together and gave us this great movie. So um, I feel like that's a big part. I went into why this movie is so tight and good. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. So what uh, um, do we want to talk about ratings real quick and then talk about our like first experiences with the movie? Okay. So we have a rotten tomatoes rating over here. And this is actually, I mean, of all the times that I've announced this, this is the closest I've ever seen it and the highest I've ever seen it. So the tomato meter is sitting at 95% and the audience score is 96%. So like people love this movie. Everybody loved this movie and I think everybody agreed on it. Um, Me personally, I think I liked it more the first time that I watched it. Um, I mean, but the second time it was like a whole vibe for me and I was totally (laughs) into it. (laughs) So... That's not saying much. What about you? What'd you think? Oh, yeah, I love it. I think, uh, and I, I'm honestly not that surprised with how high of the score it is. Personally, I would go higher. I would say like 97, 98. Like I would. Uh, oh, dang. I would say, yeah, I think this movie is great. Like it's a it's a tight movie. It really isn't that much fluff. It's fun. I mean, from the acting to the writing to the freaking John Williams score is fantastic. Like, the, this theme song is iconic. It was, mm-hmm. when I was in high school, my uh, theater teacher, that, that was her ringtone, was the Indiana Jones theme song. Dun, 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 dun. So, yeah, <laughs> just like, you, you just hear those little notes and you just know exactly, like, the movie and the friend, and you just get that feeling of adventure. And uh, it's just great. Everything about this is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's super. I'm going to say that 80 sure. times that this recording. Everything about this is fantastic. I'm going to say that 100 times. <laughs> so, welcome to your fanboy episode of Film on the Rocks. <laughs> so, That's I got to awesome. know. So, you said the first time you saw this was in college. What was your first reaction to like the first time you saw this? Like, were, were you just like, oh, this is really great? Or were you kind of a little bit more dismissive? 
Mm, no, I loved it, honestly. Because uh, the first time I saw it, like I said, was in college. It was my sophomore year, and it was for an intro to film class. And this is back when uh, Netflix was still mailing DVDs, like <laughs> way back when. And oh, wow. Yeah, so this class was like an easy A for me because uh, I, was, I was starting to take like my hard classes. And the joke's on me, though, and this movie actually got me a B. <clears throat> so <laughs> I think I had like a little bit of resentment towards it, but the movie itself uh, is something I appreciated. And I'll, I'll tell you why I got to be. And <laughs> you can cut this if you want, but I was, this actually like kind of made me pissed off. We had one assignment for the whole class, the whole year. And it was like a 10 page analysis on a, on a movie we had not seen that was on the top 100 movies of the American film Institute, the AFI. And which by the way, this movie is currently 60 uh, so this assignment was basically pass fail, and I was like, "Oh, this is like a good opportunity to watch Indiana Jones because I'd never seen it before, right?" So I chose the movie, I did my whole assignment, and when I turned it in, my teacher's like, "I do not believe you that you have not seen this movie," and I was like, "No, I swear." <laughs> and oh she's my like, God. "No, seriously, like, I don't think you watched this movie, and that I'm gonna like, I'm probably gonna fail this assignment." And I was like, "What the fuck?" So we had this whole thing. We went to the dean. I ended up just settling with a B <laughs> on a pass-fail assignment and because she didn't believe me that this was my first time. So so I loved the movie, but I did have <laughs> a little bit of resentment watching it the second time because I was reminded, like, oh, yeah, this movie got me a fucking B, and I almost had straight A's. <laughs> that is ridiculous. I had a similar, okay, not like film study class with Raiders, but my freshman year, I did take archaeology simply because i just needed full full-time status i just needed a, a filler class so i just took archaeology mm-hmm. hardest class one of the hardest classes i ever took oh my god like especially as a freshman like my very first semester it yeah. was really difficult and my professor like just thought he was indiana jones like he thought like he was just like this badass cool dude and he <laughs> was it was so intimidating going to his office because he was kind of a dick like i would like, I wasn't doing too high in the class. Like, I, I think I had, like, a, a C, maybe borderline D, like, starting off with because I didn't do so high on the first test. And so I was, like, trying to, like, study really hard. I actually did worse on the second test. I was like, what the hell's going on? So I went to his office, and I showed him, like, my my notes. And, or I, had, I made, like, flashcards or whatever. And I remember he was just like, oh, that's, a, that's the wrong civilization. He just, like, flung it across the room. I was like, oh, my God. And, like, that's what he, he just went through, like, my whole deck just did that and i'm just like picking them up at the end like oh sorry sorry mr mr professor i'll get out of here i'm sorry i wasted your time (laughs) (laughs) wait you can bleep his name out was that was that dr i it honestly might be i think so i don't remember his name but that sounds that guy was such a jackass so i feel you (laughs) i will say halfway through the semester he lined up a little bit i don't know what happened but he lined up a little bit so he was he started off real dickish became a little bit more flaccid towards the end of the semester <laughs> oh my god <laughs> but uh and he would always like reference indiana jones during lectures or whatever i'm like dude please stop making me think about that movie i would rather be watching that movie to be in this lecture right now please stop <laughs> yeah especially since he's such a not nice person yeah you just don't really want to associate him with that right exactly <laughs> Yeah, so I guess we'll uh, get to the credentials of this movie. So there's a lot, a lot of studs were involved in the making of this movie. So Raiders of the Lost Ark from 1981, 
this movie was directed by a, a guy that we probably haven't heard of, a guy named Steven Spielberg. Uh, this was written by Lawrence Kasdan, George Lucas, and Philip Kaufman. This music was done by John Williams, which I just I normally don't mention that, but this music is so good, and you gotta like pump up John Williams when you can. This movie stars Harrison Ford, Karen Allen, Paul Freeman, Ronald Lacey, and John Reese Davies. Awesome cast, awesome director, awesome writers. Um, Lawrence Kasdan, one of the writers of this, uh, he's he's pretty pretty much written a lot of like the George Lucas stuff. Like he wrote Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. Force Awakens, um, I think some of the other Indiana Jones movies as well. I mean, just, you know, good, good, really fun stuff. I love the story behind how, like, the ball got rolling for this. So, George Lucas had the idea for Indiana Jones while making THX, uh, THX 1139, which was his first movie. And which came out in 1971, and he said while making that, he had the idea for Star Wars and Indiana Jones. But after he got done with Star Wars, he didn't want to be directing anymore because like it like almost killed him because it was just so stressful, and mm-hmm. he just did not want to be part of that anymore. So anyways, so Star War- 1977, Star Wars comes out, and George Lucas is super stressed. He doesn't want to be, because he thinks that Star Wars is going to flop. So he just wants mm-hmm. to get away. So him and Spielberg are like best friends. And so they decide, all right, well, let's just get away from the public. Let's go to Hawaii and just go on vacation. So so he missed the premiere of Star Wars. Wow. And so they're on a beach in Hawaii making sandcastles, Steven Spielberg and George Lucas. <laughs> and George goes, you know, I've kind of always had this idea of this um, archaeology or this archaeologist character that goes on really fun adventures and he's like very ruggish and badass and um that's like an idea of a movie i've been wanting to do and spielberg's just like oh wow like i've always wanted to do a james bond movie that kind of like i feel like that you could kind of turn into like a james bond-esque character and george lucas says dude it's yours i don't want to direct anymore like you can have this <laughs> you can have this idea and Spielberg said, all right, well, I will direct it, but you got to like be producer and writer with me. And so he said, okay. So that was, that was the collaboration. They came up with Indiana Jones while building sandcastles on a beach, avoiding the release of Star Wars. <laughs> That's wild, man. And That's crazy because everything worked out. Yes. And it's so cool because like um, watching interviews with Steven Spielberg, he said that um, this became a tradition for them. So whenever one of them had a new release or like or, uh, a new movie coming out, they would go to a beach and build sandcastles. And if the tide uh, avoided the sandcastle, like the tide didn't take it out, that meant that movie was going to be a big success. But if the tide took it out, that means it was going to flop. And uh, Spielberg said that that was true for most of the time. Uh, Howard the Duck was a movie George Lucas did. The tide wiped <laughs> that out, and that was a movie that flopped. But for Star Wars and Raiders, the sandcastle stood, and he's like, and those were the movies that were really good. Same thing for like E.T. and Extraterrestrial, or not Extraterrestrial, uh, close, close Encounters. Super cool. I just love that like these two juggernauts of like very young directors at, at this time. They could have been, they could have been competitors. They could have been sort of, you know, they they could have formed a rivalry, but they were best friends and they just work together and i love that it's, it's, yeah, it's man, you gotta lift each other up right That's yeah dope. it's really cool it, and this was like the perfect collaboration because spielberg is a great director 
And George Lucas, I feel, is a much better ideas guy. Like, I feel like he's just like, I have this idea, and he passes it off to Spielberg. He, like, runs with it. Or George mm-hmm. will sometimes be like, no, 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 you're going a little too far. Let's bring it back a little bit. Um, <laughs> like, an example of this was, part. there's a part of the movie where uh, Tote, like, the very mean German um, that was kind of way too vague for this movie, but the the the, the main German guy Tote, in this Nazi movie, yeah, uh, <laughs> he so Bollock and uh, Karen Allen Marion are kind of like having dinner and they're kind of she's like kind of flirting with him, but it's like just to get away, and then mm-hmm. uh, Tote walks in and you see him like unveil these things that look like nunchucks and he's like twisting them like oh my god what's he going to do in such a coat hanger. Uh, the original idea was something like his arm, he had like a robotic arm that was like a gun or something like that. And that, and that was something George was like, nope, that's too much, man. Let's just tone it down a little bit. <laughs> Wait, Spielberg wanted the gun arm? Or one of the writers, maybe. I don't know if it was Spielberg, but somebody else did it. George was like, no, let's just make it a coat hanger. Let's just... <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. I can only imagine them... Like riding E.T. and being like, all right. And then his gun, his finger is a gun. And you're like, how about we just make it glow red? <laughs> how about it's just the finger? Mm. Genius. Another thing that was like very fun saying was like the casting for this. So, I mean, like Harrison Ford is Indiana Jones as much as he is Han Solo. Like to me, mm-hmm. like this is, I can't imagine this movie without Harrison Ford. Um, Tom Selleck was actually like going to be Indiana Jones. Like he was super close. And he, the only reason why Tom Selleck wasn't Indiana Jones was because he just couldn't get out of his Magnum PI contract. So, Hmm. so he was, you think they would have made him shave that mustache? I don't think so. I doubt it. You you try to do that. Um, I don't (laughs) think, I don't think that would have happened, but so, and George Lucas was actually really, he was against having Harrison Ford be Indiana Jones just because he's been in all of his movies. He was in American Graffiti and Star Wars. And then he's like, I just didn't want him to be like just my actor. Like, I'll... And Harrison Ford like wasn't like offended by this or anything. But um, I think I think maybe it was Spielberg's idea. I can't quite remember. But um, anyways, it wound up being Harrison Ford and he just killed it. He loved this role. Like it's so mm-hmm. like hearing other people... Harrison Ford is a really weird interviewee like he's like on talk shows or whatever because he's he's kind of a smart ass and mm-hmm. he kind of brings his attitude like I don't want to be here right now kind of thing but Dude, I cannot watch his interviews honestly <laughs> it's kind of cringy at times <laughs> yeah um but listening to Spielberg he said that like, Harrison Ford just loved his character and like he added so much like he ad-libbed a handful of things in this um he also really wanted to show how vulnerable this character was. So he wanted him to be all bruised up and cut and stuff throughout the movie. And he'd be like, no, 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 let's put like a cut on this like cheek and what, and I like, put a bruise over here or whatnot. And uh, he did a lot of, I mean, he had like stuntmen, but he did a lot of stunts as well. He actually kind of, he, he got his shit rocked, like doing, doing these movies. Um, mm-hmm. We'll, we'll talk about them when we get to the scenes, but yeah, I mean, it's just, just a really, just everything all around, so good and spielberg said that he was really excited to do this movie besides that he's always wanted to do a james bond like movie he said that he felt like this was his opportunity to develop more and show that he has matured as a director mm-hmm. so because he did jaws eat 
ET, I think, and Close Encounters before this. And he said that all of those movies went over budget and past like their shooting schedule. Like they, they sometimes tripled in the amount of time that it was supposed to take. So Oof. he said that he wanted to like knock this out of the park and like show that he's like developed more. And so he said that he storyboarded the entire movie basically. And he, that was his goal was to be under budget and under schedule or ahead of schedule. And he, he was, he, he did this under budget and ahead of schedule and Whenever they would get behind, he, he would just go to the storyboard, remove those panels, and just go, all right, we'll just make it work. And he, so he says that's why he thinks that this movie is so tight is because he storyboarded everything and just removed stuff when they got behind schedule. Wow. Should have done that for the rest of his movies. <laughs> <laughs> Not to be shady or anything, but some of them run a little long, but it's fine. Uh, so do you mind if I like talk a little history real quick? Please. Okay, so this movie, I don't, okay, so usually, usually when I do research for movies, I'm looking at, like, really dumb, off-the-wall, like, things that (laughs) interest me that are just funny, but for some reason, like, this movie just really inspired me to, like, get into the history, so I got some history facts. I'm gonna keep it light and interesting, okay, so I don't wanna, (laughs) I'm not gonna try to, like, make this a snooze fest, but I thought it was interesting, like, the whole setting of the movie, so, Raiders of the Lost Ark is set in 1936, right? So, I just kind of want to give you guys, like, a feel of, like, what was going on in the world at the time. So, uh, FDR uh, was serving his first term as president in, in the United States. Mount Rushmore was still being built. And, in fact, Thomas Jefferson's head was had just been added this year, right? Kind of fun. Uh, so, we obviously, we see the Nazis in the movie, right? So mm-hmm. World War II has not happened. Um, it starts three years later. However, this was the year where the Nazis started to like grow tension in the world because mm. they like violated the the Treaty of Versailles, which was the treaty that ended World War One, and that was intentional, right? So there's a lot of relevance with the Nazis in this year. In fact, this also was the same year that the 1936 Summer Olympics took place in Berlin. Oh. And I'm actually going to turn this one into a little bit of a humble brag. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, so where am I going with that with Nazis? Uh, so the Nazi party actually, so they organized the whole um, Olympics, right, that took place in Berlin. And this is actually, they started the Olympic torch relay for, like, the runners. Oh, really? Right? Isn't that kind of crazy? And we still do that to this day. That is really weird. And, like, the Nazi party started that. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So the way I'm I'm turning this into a humble brag is that they wanted to outdo the 1932 Olympics, which took place in the United States in Los Angeles. So they built like this giant stadium uh, in Berlin. And the humble brag comes in is because I actually watched a Bundesliga soccer game at that stadium. Oh, and that place was dope. (laughs) (laughs) It was so it was huge, huge. And that was their intent because they wanted to, like, blow everybody out of the water. Um, And that was, like, my top five sporting experience. And I thought that was super cool. And the last fun fact to kind of, like, wrap things up. So this was actually the year that Burt Reynolds was born, right? So what does Burt Reynolds have to do with anything? Burt Reynolds famously turned down the role of Han Solo in Star Wars. Han Solo was played by Harrison Ford, who is now the star of this movie. So 
Wow. Little connections. <laughs> Thought that was fun. <laughs> yeah. Man, I would hate to be the guy that turned down Han Solo or Indiana Dude, Jones. He's, he's still pissed about it. He well, he like, I think he fired his agent. <laughs> oh, you don't want to do this stupid space movie. Uh, yeah, yeah. Going off of it, the like historical side of things, something that's really interesting about this movie is that, so like you know he he's a he's a professor of archaeology, uh, an expert in the occult, as they state. And this movie is about hunting or the hunt or this movie is about the race to get to the Ark of the Covenant first before the Nazis. I sometimes like I I feel like it's crazy, but I feel like that the Ark of the Covenant is secondary in this movie, which is I don't know if you feel the same way, but I feel like it's like I'm just way more wrapped up in the adventure and like everything else that's going on. I like Mm -hmm. sometimes forget like, oh, yeah, they're going after the Ark of the Covenant like halfway through this movie. I forgot. I forgot what we were doing like an hour into it. So, <laughs> like, it's yeah, I agree. It's crazy how that's kind of secondary to this. And um, I mean, we definitely see how how much of a historian he is. You know, of course, you know, because he's a professor of archaeology, and how he explains, you know, the city of Tanis, why that's important, and especially in terms of you know hunting for the ark. And we see we, we see him use his his knowledge to progress the plot and also progress his quest and everything but mm-hmm. it is all i just feel like like the arc itself just kind of comes secondary and it's interesting because you know something like that can i feel like can sort of overshadow other big things in a movie and it's weird that the character of indiana jones and like everything he's up to a character that we've never met before kind of overshadows everything else like like do you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's weird. It was really just like a platform to in, for Indiana Jones to perform and just be cool. You think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if just like perform be cool, but like, I mean, it, it's a cool. I love the concept. Like, like I'm not saying they should have done something else. I'm just saying, like, I get so wrapped up in how much fun I'm having watching this movie. I completely forget that like the Ark of the Covenant is like the MacGuffin of this movie. Like the Ark <laughs> of the Covenant is the MacGuffin. Like that's crazy. And mm-hmm. just just to think about like the Nazis, you know, who are just, you know, we the the epitome of evil and anti-Semitism are going after like an incredibly like a uh, religious, like incredibly religious and famous artifact, and it's a race between him and some some professor from the United States. I don't know. It's just weird. It's just it just seems so secondary at times. And I'm not knocking the movie for it. I just. I don't know. I just find that crazy that this, because they could have very easily been super like laying into like historical facts here and there just to like show, Oh yeah, we definitely did our homework for this movie. Like, no, like they just didn't lose track and no, this is a fun movie. We're not lecturing people. We're not giving like a history lesson throughout the whole movie. We're just, mm-hmm. we're, and we're, I don't know. It's just great. I don't know how to like explain that, but I've always kind of felt that that was kind of weird that, that, that was secondary. Yeah, let's go a little loose with that term history lesson because a lot of things were <laughs> were not completely true. However, things that were true um, that were pretty interesting. So you're talking about like the Nazis going after uh, like religious artifacts, right? Mm-hmm. And the anti-Semitism that comes with that. So they actually, when they're writing this movie, they actually forgot about Nazis anti-semitism so (laughs) and by the and at the end of the movie when they're about to open the arc we get that one like nazi soldier saying i'm i'm not comfortable with this jewish artifact or something 
Yeah, th- and, and that was says like he's not comfortable doing this Jewish ritual. Yes, yes, and that was the only <laughs> like anti-Semitic thing that they said because they forgot to just put stuff in, like yeah. to remind people. But I mean, everybody knows, mm-hmm. right? And uh, so, fun fact about the Nazis in general, just real quick. <laughs> Sentence I didn't think I would hear this morning. Go on. <laughs> they let's let me just say, this podcast officially denounces Nazis. Yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> I think yeah. that goes without saying, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I thought this was a fun fact. So for the uh, the German spoken in this movie was so bad, apparently, <laughs> that it had to be dubbed over uh, for the, for the German release. Oh, really? Yeah, and because there was, like, the accents were very Americanized, and some words were, like, spoken poorly, and then some sentences were just, sentence, whoop, some sentences were just straight up wrong, and they're like, okay, we gotta, <laughs> let's just backtrack this real quick and, and change some stuff Interesting. Up. Yes. You yes. think that they would have had some sort of consultant, like, helping them with, with, with those parts, but, okay, it's interesting. The... Yeah, you can definitely tell where they focus their energy. Uh, in some in certain areas so something that i was kind of i'm not going to say impressed with but like so, so something i had to look up that i didn't know what this was and it was for tote the 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 main german guy in this he kept calling marion uh fraulein fraulein i think i'm saying that right and i didn't know what that was so i looked that up and it's like a very sexist german term for a woman it just means an unmarried woman and it's super sexist because there's no um, like male counterpart to that term. So it's like implying that a woman doesn't have value unless she's married to a man. And so that little detail of them just using this German sexist slur throughout this movie was like, I feel like just like a little like note of like, yeah, these dudes suck. Like, you know, kind of like without mm-hmm. going into heavy into them being anti-semites like throughout the, like it was just, so it's like a belittling comment yeah 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 very yeah. very belittling and sexist as yeah so that oh, was that was really interesting to see that like th- they will get things like that but then not get like sentence structures right <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude they they got a lot of things so um sorry you were talking about like the city of tanis and stuff right mm-hmm uh so going back to the whole like them doing their research and like touching on history so the city of tanis actually does exist um is it a lost city because it was a lost city okay cool because they acted like it was a lost city and then sorry go on no it was so did you at any point did you wonder why they had a french archaeologist leading them um i didn't but now i do (laughs) (laughs) okay so that because there was like uh i mean obviously like France was a part of the Allied powers against the Nazis, right? So you just wouldn't really assume um, mm-hmm. there would be some sort of team. So the fact that they used a French archaeologist is a nod to the real-life French archaeologist, Pierre uh, Montet. I don't know if I said that right. <laughs> and he's actually the guy who found Tannis uh, in 1939. Oh, that's so cool. Okay, yeah. That's a, but, yeah. But they made him a bad guy in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I think they just were like, you know, let's just go with it. Um, so the Nazis, the Nazis didn't find it, but this guy did. Um, we don't know if he found the Ark. He did find three undisturbed tombs, uh, but no Ark. So that we know of. 
that we know of, right? Because top men could be looking at it right <laughs> this moment. Top men. <laughs> <laughs> How is that not one of our quotes? Damn it. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh boy. my gosh. We really missed the bus on that one. It's fine. So um, I am now rounding back to the money that this movie made. So uh, <laughs> my bad, I took no. us, dude. I took us on that detour. I'm so sorry, dude. I did it too. I was there with you. It's totally fine. So uh, something really fun. I kind of wanted to do, you know, get more engagement. Whatever I want to sort of do this, take a shot, a little kind of like weekly question of the week sort of thing. Um, so and it's probably mostly going to have to do with how much money did the movie make until I come up with something more creative. But <laughs> um, so 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 this movie came out in 1981, had a budget of 18 million dollars, and the average price of a movie ticket in 81 was two dollars and 78 cents. Nate, I want you to guess how much money this movie made in the box office worldwide. I'm gonna go with this seems low in my head, but two dollars is super cheap. 320 million. Okay, okay, okay. I'm going to take that as your official guess. So thank you for everybody from Twitter and Instagram that responded to this take a shot question. So from Twitter, we got Dustin from Dustin Can Read guessing 200 million. John from Movie Lovers Unite guessing 150 million. And then Kelly guessing it's into 300 millions. Oh, Uh, wait, it is? That's what Kelly's, that was her guess. It's into 300 million. Sorry. Um, I'll listen. (laughs) Um, I'm speaking. I'm just kidding. Uh, so on Instagram, we get uh, Orlean from the Spooky Sisters Book Club guessing 320 million. Oh, same as you. Guys. Oh, shout out Orlean. Look at us. Uh, we got the coolness. What I can't read my own handwriting. The coolness chronicles guessing 365 million. And then Ethan from the Uncultured Opinions podcast playing by Price's Right rules and just edging out. The Coolness Chronicles with 375 million. And Ethan wins this because he is the closest. It is $390 million. So wow. to kind of like <laughs> sum that back up, movie had a budget of $18 million and made $8.3 million's opening weekend and grossed over $390 million worldwide in 1981. I want to like emphasize how much money this made. So in 2020, that is a budget of Fifty-one and a half million dollars, and making one point one billion dollars. That's how successful okay. this movie was. Dang, I was wondering if this movie would have like a positive reception internationally because I could see this being like a huge American movie. I wonder but, if that's like why they didn't know. lean so much into. Oh, I guess you said that they forgot, but like they're not leaning so much into the anti-Semitism a little bit, mm-hmm. just because it's kind of like everybody knows, you know. At this, you know, have you re- have you opened up a textbook before? Everybody kind of knows that, and they do like give. I mean, they they are obviously the bad guys in this movie. Like, there's no like, oh, you know, they were just doing it for historical reasons. No, they were the bad guys in this movie, and there's like a they do lots of little things to sort of like besides that, like other subtle things. Um, I love, there's a part in the movie where Indiana Jones is fighting that big hulking brute under the plane. Mm-hmm. And then when he gets hit by the propeller, we see blood spray all over a swastika. And it's just like clear imagery of like everything that party was about, kind of. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So it's a, I wonder, also that, oh, that could, that, that's an interesting point you make, but I wonder if it, like, that could have been why they danced around the, you know, anti Semitism a little bit. Yeah. 
Can we talk about why this movie was rated PG for a Be- second? Because there was no PG-13. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> that was a big gap. This this The sequel to this movie, to Temple of Doom, is what made them go, okay, we need something in between. Because Temple of Doom <laughs> is a lot darker than this movie. And that's what that made them go, all right, guys, fine. We'll just pick an arbitrary date or year, PG-13, fine. So, yeah, that's that's why. Oh, that's a fun fact. Yeah. That's really interesting. Dude, I was like, dude, there's no way this movie is good for kids. This, it was gory than it was gorier than Halloween, right? <laughs> yeah, there was way more. I blood. literally, I like gas. I can't. I audibly gasped uh, like multiple times throughout the movie. I was like, oh my god, this guy is now deli meat, and this is a PG deli rating. meat. <laughs> the propeller guy, yeah, chopped up. Ugh. Yeah, it's it's hard it's hard to get past. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. Alrighty, so before we move into drinking rules, I want to thank our sponsor for today, which is Supporty. We all have dreams, dreams of traveling, having a house we want, or even small stuff like being more being a more organized person. Or you could be like Dr. Jones have dreams of finding ancient artifacts like the Lost Ark. Sometimes it's difficult to keep ourselves motivated, and that's where Supporty comes in. Supporty will partner you with an accountability buddy, and they will help you design a plan that works best for you to keep you motivated, and they will hold you accountable to, to that plan and help you meet your goals. Nate, from this movie, who could have used an accountability buddy? Um, <laughs> I thought the guy with the monkey needed, uh, needed Supporty. <laughs> I'll tell you why. So... He's got this Nazi monkey, right? <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, dude, he's got this monkey doing all sorts of stuff. And they got, like, whole hand signals. Clearly, this monkey is, like, very well trained. I'm sure a lot of, like, effort went into that. Um, how are you going to poison the dates knowing that your little Nazi monkey's got some frisky fingers? <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, let him die that way. You know, you call yourself a pet dad? Like, that... I was like, bro, you need to like reevaluate. So, get this man some supporty, give him the app, let him know. <laughs> be like, hey man, in your plan to assassinate these people, be sure to that you have all eyes on your monkey. Oh my god, that's hilarious! <laughs> I did not expect you to go that route. And you're right, this monkey does give a how Hitler at some point in this movie. It is fucking bonkers, but. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness! Um, I I thought you would have gone with you know Indiana Jones or Sala or something, but okay, the, the eye patch. It guy. seemed too obvious. It was too on the <laughs> nose to do them. Oh man! All right. Well, if you feel like you want to try out some a little bit of accountability, uh, try out Supporty. Head to getsupporty.com where you can download the free app, or you can even swipe over to our show notes and click the link and tell them that Film on the Rock sent you. You can start your two week free trial today. All right, Nate. Drinking rules. For Raiders of the Lost Ark, I feel like this is a movie I want to get just hammered to. Um, <laughs> yeah. What are your drinking rules, man? Dude, I have so many drinking rules. Oh, hit me oh with all God. of them. Hit me with all, all of them. You want all of them? I want all okay. of them. Okay, okay. Brace yourself. Literally, so many. Okay. <laughs> I, love, I love literally <laughs> a lot. <laughs> okay, so this is not, this was not a curated list of drinking rules this time. This is purely a la carte uh you're gonna get freaking blitzed doing this so i started off this way because i was like i don't know how many things are going to be repetitive in this movie but sure enough there's a million things so i started off saying for every bat that you see in the beginning 
Right. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Um, and every and every crack of the whip. The crack of the whip actually does not happen as much as I thought it would, but you know, it's fine. Um, so whenever history is told, drink. Oh, uh, so your eyes don't glaze over, right? Because they just they go into so many little history monologues, which it's interesting, but at the same time, if you don't like history, like it could be boring. So drink your sorrows. (laughs) Um, (laughs) so every every once in a while, we get this little shot of a plane going over the map, right? Yes, I love that animation. Yes. So every time the arrow takes a turn on the map, because they like hit a bunch of different points (laughs) throughout the movie, take a drink. Um, drink for every drink. Right? Shot for shot. Oh, Pretty fitting, God. right? They do a lot of that in the movie. Marion R- Ravenwood is going to get you drunk. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, she is, dude. I love that character trait trait of her. She's just someone that can, like, yeah. really hold her liquor, and it, like, comes yeah, into play dude. a handful she's of gonna times drink, in this movie. If you're, if you're following these drinking rules, she's going to drink you under the table, too. So. Yeah. <laughs> Go her. Um, And then every time somebody's impaled... So this, again, PG movie, there were so many people getting impaled in this freaking movie, especially in the beginning. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, what was it? Arrow, arrows count. Getting, mm-hmm. <laughs> getting stabbed with Stab. them. Stab, yeah. Yeah, the stabs too. Um, and I said, each death, pour one out in your mouth. Um, <laughs> so pay your respects. <laughs> Take a big gulp right before they open the arc because we know it's about to go down. Ooh. Um, snake close-ups, take a drink. And then, uh, to wrap it up, I just love, I, I don't know why I love product placement in movies and I'm obsessed with it. So drink for every bit of product placement and I'll just give you like a quick list of what's there. Uh, so we have Pan Am, the American airline, Life Magazine. Um, <laughs> I feel like the state of Indiana because of Indiana Jones. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, uh, Big Apple cause it, that, that was lame because <laughs> the dude puts the apple on his desk you okay, know people yeah, say like lame. big pharma okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll cut that out nope i'm keeping it <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> oh my gosh okay air east asia so that was a fake airline made for the movie but somebody made it in 2006 um what? and they only did flights to bangladesh uh, <laughs> it is now <laughs> it now does not exist uh and then four more mercedes-benz Myers Rum, Sunlight Soap, which actually does exist, and then a movie product placement. We get R2-D2 and C-3PO uh, on the walls in this movie, so that's technically for Star Wars. It's Star Wars hi- hieroglyphs? So. I was about to ask if you caught that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know. I didn't catch it in the movie. Yet. This is actually something I read, oh, okay. uh, but I did, I did go back and look at the pictures, and I was like, oh, look at that. How yeah, fun. I love that. George. So like, those are my drinking rules. <laughs> Dude, I fucking love those drinking rules. You caught way more stuff than I did. I think it's just because I just get so sucked into this. So <laughs> my first drinking Dude, rule... Dude, I do you not watch your movies with like pen and paper? Uh, I'm just like on the edge of my seat watching. <laughs> no, I was... I, I, I don't know. For, for this one, just because I just love this. I was just like, I don't want to like be taking notes. I just want to like enjoy it and just like soak it in. Um, but so my drinking rules were, uh, whip craft. Um, so whenever he uses his whip, not just for like cracking, but there's like a handful of times where like, he kind of just like don't not dons it. He just like brings it out to like, you know, knock some spiders off of somebody or something like that. So, um, so whenever he, whenever his whip gets taken out, take a drink, 
also had uh this is probably like my favorite one that i came up with every time indy lands a punch on someone take a drink because <laughs> he like harrison ford it just has like God, he just has like brass knuckles. I fucking love it. And he's just, just, just he just goes like straight for like headshots every time he's like getting to these fights and just that whack. Uh, it's so good. So drink every time Indy lands a punch. Um, every time we see a silhouette or shadow of Indiana, take a drink. Ooh, I like that. Every time somebody says Indy, which is happening throughout this whole fucking movie, um, <laughs> especially if you do Temple of Doom uh, with a. Uh, I think her name is Danny Indy, like the whole movie. <laughs> so that's one you can use for the whole franchise. All these you use for the whole franchise. Um, and then whenever we do a close up on Indiana's face, take a drink. Cause I realized I kind of did that a bunch throughout this movie. Yeah. Cause he's so handsome. He is. It, 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 it's distracting. It's like, <laughs> yeah. they're like, let's get our money's worth. Just do a little close up. <laughs> you don't know like- what to shoot. Give me, give us a Harrison Ford close up. I was listening to um, another podcast and they were talking about Indi- uh, Raiders and they were saying, it's like they watched Star Wars and went, hey, you know that sexy guy from Star Wars? What if he was the movie? What if he was just the movie? <laughs> yeah. We didn't need a solo a Star Wars story because we got it <laughs> in Indiana Jones. Oh my goodness. Um, all right, buddy. So let's get into scenes. There's a lot of, there's so many iconic scenes from this movie that are just like replicated and parodied in so many things but uh where do you want to start where are some scenes that jumped out to you okay i'm just gonna roll off from what you mentioned with the shadows as your drinking rule Ooh, okay um so i got a little fun interesting thing about that um so i i, I loved the use of like shadows and silhouettes throughout the movie um i thought it was done so well and they did it enough for me to think like okay what what's the deal like why why did they do this um, so they actually had this guy named Douglas Slocum. And so he was the cinematographer for like all for the first three Indiana Jones movies. And he did this intentionally as a way to pay homage to like the matinee thrillers of the 1930s. Cause apparently they did this a lot. Mm. Um, and obviously the 1930s is the era in which this is set. So it was kind of like a set piece I like guess, for s- setting it in, era its, in its own time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, I mean, I just loved it. I loved how they did that. That's super cool, and that's something that I think Kathleen Kennedy was involved in this a little bit. Her and George Lucas have kind of like been like partners, and like in most of his projects, if not all. And like today, like in twenty twenty, listening to her talk about Star Wars, like her talking about characters, she always talks about how every Star Wars character has a shadow. Like you could tell who it is just by their shadow. And oh. same thing here. So I feel like that's something that like maybe like Kathleen Kennedy and George Lucas have like always had in the back of their mind when designing characters like we need to make them unique and like to where like you just see an outline of them and you know exactly what movie we're referencing so mm-hmm. you know the hat and the whip and like the satchel and everything that is that builds the character of Indiana Jones all goes into that but I, that's I didn't know that about how like that's kind of just also setting it in the time that the movie takes place that's really cool oh I love that there's so much thought that went into that that's so cool a scene that I, I guess I'll just start with the the beginning of this movie the whole uh, t- uh indiana going through the jungle and going through the temple it's fucking iconic this is parodied in so many things and also i mean 
as I was watching this, I was like, this is just uh, Legends of the Hidden Temple, isn't it? Like, Or Legends of the Hidden Temple just copied this for their game show. Are you talking about that old Nickelodeon yes. game show? Oh. Like, like yeah. the set like of the inside of the temple, it looked just like... I could see like there's the parallels like this is just like what that is like that's so much fun and that's like shows you how like how good that this was and everything um but I love like this this opening it's such a great way to introduce us to the character because it shows us he's really rugged he's also really smart because like we we see him out thinking the booby traps throughout this thing but mm-hmm. I love that they show that he's not perfect because, you know, he doesn't get he doesn't guess the correct weight for the idol when he switches it with the bag of sand. <laughs> yeah. And God, just just I just love the close up of the camera on him. He's like, you know, like uh, just like rubbing his beard thinking, oh, man, how much does this fucker weigh? Uh, it, it's just <laughs> uh, it's just so great. It's so much fun. He uses his whip, you know, dodging booby traps and everything. It's it's just it's so good. And we quickly see that he gets screwed over by a rival archaeologist by Bollock. I just find it kind of hilarious because I'm assuming that Bollock, or Bollock, however you say his name, is also like a professor of archaeology, perhaps. And so Mm -hmm. this is just professors willing to kill each other over like finding artifacts i just it's so bizarre it's just like teachers Mm -hmm. murdering each other and whatnot it's i don't know it just blows my mind that like the duality of indiana jones as like the professor and then like this adventurer who will kill as i was watching i was like man what was his postdoc like like what was like his grad school experience (laughs) like to where he got to this point where he's like i'm fucking killing people to 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 find artifacts or whatever i don't know it just blows my mind yeah and it's it is so interesting like you said how they contrast between professor life because he seems so vanilla right he just seems like a very dull professor by the way he's teaching yeah but i love how they played on the fact that he's good looking though with (laughs) filling his class up with a bunch of girls who are just fawning over him yeah uh (laughs) it is funny um something that stuck out to me uh about that french archaeologist since you mentioned him was when he ate a fly in this movie. Did you catch that? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was so gross. Uh, for those who want to like go back and look at it, it's the scene where Indiana Jones is holding a bazooka uh, in the desert at the whole like uh, Nazi army walking the Ark to wherever they're taking it. And Rene Belloc, the actor is just like delivering his lines, killing it as always. And then a fly just goes in his mouth he does not skip a beat. He just eats the fly, continues his lines, and it was so – it was good. Like, I thought, I thought it was, like, really good uh, dedication to your craft, right? Yeah, I love it. And I love that that's, like, the take that Spielberg decided to use because I, mm-hmm. I would imagine that they redid it or something. And yeah. I could just, like, see Spielberg and, like, the editing baby, like, nah, he's siding with the Nazis. Like, they need to be, like, surrounded by, like, stench and flies and stuff. Yeah, yeah, we'll keep it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was a deep little take from that. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. One scene was, so, you know, that car chase that was going on? Yes. <clears throat> in the desert. And I, I kind of gave, this stuck out to me because it was just, like, a lot of the people in the movie died very, in ways you would expect, like, stab, shot, face melt, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> But I thought the worst death award went to the guys who got thrown off the edge of the cliff. Oh, yeah. From that car scene. And it, they just kind of like lingered on it too. Like they just showed them falling for an extended period of time. And I was just like, damn. <laughs> I love like. Guys got fucked. And then like they oh. cut to Indy driving. And like every time he runs somebody off the road, he just like smiles to himself. 
Like, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's just like, oh yeah, like, just, yeah. Dude is demented, honestly. <laughs> and I'm glad that you brought up this car chase scene because it's 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 quite the set piece because it's this very elaborate fight scene that's taking place around this truck, like. You know he's in the he's in the the uh, the I almost said cockpit. Uh, <laughs> he's in the cab. He's on the roof. He goes underneath the car. He climbs back up. Makes this like like it's just like this fine like dance around this truck, and it's so mm-hmm. fun and clever. Like it's that's such a cool like little set piece. And it's just a truck driving. Like it's not like yeah. a cool. It's not like on the edge of a cliff or anything else. It's just on this truck. I just love that, and yeah, it's great. Um, I love the the lead up to this though where. This fight kind of started at the um, kind of like the Nazi base, and that I've kind of mentioned it before, but I want to go over it again. The fight between Indy and that big German guy underneath the the plane as it's just like rotating around them. This was mm-hmm. really cool too. But uh, Harrison Ford he said in an interview that the plane actually rolled over his knee during this fight scene, and since they were like in the middle of the desert, he couldn't get like medical attention so he just wrapped up his knee and then just like continued shooting the rest of the movie yeah like <laughs> tough guy Damn, yeah dude he, he's just oh god he's he's a stud he's just there's no other way to put it um you know he broke his ankle filming uh the force awakens oh did he yeah god dude. this guy's clumsy well he just he's a stunt man sometimes dude but like he <laughs> he also like threw his back out doing temple of doom uh he like he like he was bedridden for like weeks but um, that's commitment that's commitment um i guess sorry we jump around so much i just ugh, so much to talk about um so <laughs> uh, a scene kind of early on in the beginning that i wanted to talk about was i love the scene where the those government agents come to talk to indy about pr- pretty much like presenting him the job the quest and about mm-hmm. what the nazis are doing how they're going after the ark of the covenant and that they found tannis i love this whole discussion one, I just love the setting. It's in like this big 1930s lecture hall and it looks gorgeous. I just love seeing this huge like auditorium with just like little tiny wooden desk and like there's like stained glass windows. It's like, oh man, this looks so cool. And like the per I love how the there's not like a podium, there's a stage for the professor. I was like, man, mm-hmm. this is like when it was like a craft. Like this is just a showing how like, you know, teaching at like uh, in colleges, universities, it was like a real craft, and it was—I don't know—it was just so cool. I just loved all the texture we're getting from this. But they explained to him, you know, that they found Tannis, and you see the excitement on his face, and he looks over to Brody. He's like, "They found Tannis!" Like, like they, like the agents don't really get what that means and how important that is. Mm-hmm. And you just see him go, "Oh my god!" Like you have no idea how big, how, like how big of a deal that is. And he just explains like the whole Sunday school story to them and everything. I just love all of this it showed he was knowledgeable how excited he was and it it's like it, it, he's very smart but he doesn't carry this attitude to where like he's like the smartest person in the room like he's all about like just educating you he's not like belittling people for not knowing i mean like he kind of like knocks him a little bit like didn't y'all go to sunday school like do you not know the story about the ark of the covenant kind of thing but he doesn't mm-hmm. like carry that uh arrogant like professor sort of feel that they could have easily given him and i like that yeah yeah no they really did they really went with it it belongs in a museum kind of guy (laughs) (laughs) yeah even though he was like a low-key grave robber no big deal but (laughs) (laughs) anyways um 
what else stuck out to me? So this was another movie with uh, another animal death. And this one I actually didn't feel so bad about because the monkey was a Nazi. Yeah. <laughs> usually, usually that stuff bothers me, but it didn't. I didn't budge on this one. That's all I got. Okay. <laughs> That's all I got for scenes. Okay, well, I guess a cool scene was uh, really like the literal beginning of the movie. We see the Paramount logo, mm. and it kind of fades into the mountain um, yeah. in the jungles of Peru. I thought that was kind of fun. Super cool. I like when they do stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, lo- I love that too. And yeah. uh, I think that was kind of like Spielberg giving like extra thanks because Paramount was the only studio that would give them money to do this. Like they got rejected everywhere. Paramount was the, what? Yeah, Paramount was the only studio that like went out on a limb for these guys, and it's and like you know this movie made it was the highest grossing movie of 1981 actually. So, um, you know, good on them. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if they just weren't like a big studio at the time, like Paramount Pictures. That's pretty I interesting. I feel like that they probably were, but like again, they were both. I mean, I just don't know how you say no to George Lucas or um, Steven Spielberg in the '80s. I just don't like. <laughs> but um, anyways, so I love our introduction to Marion Ravenwood in Nepal, and mm-hmm. we see her just at this bar. This whole sequence and scene was such great. We see how she, you know, drinks people under the table for money. She's good at it. Um, and, you know, the Nazis come and Indiana comes and it's this whole like fight sequence in the bar. And it's, it's so good. Cause it's like done in a clever way. Cause they, they do like a lot of like shadow play in this as well. Like just a lot of times where like, they won't directly show violence on screen, but they'll show the shadows. But it's like, mm-hmm. while you're seeing the shadows, you're also seeing other people fighting like in, in the foreground as well. So it was just, I don't know. It was just a lot of fun and really cool how you're able to get an idea of, what's going on in the whole room without like the camera constantly like cutting or panning around to stuff that's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love the little fun thing that like a uh, funny thing, like tote, he burns his hand on the medallion. He kind of, it's remind me a lot of home alone. Uh, with, with Oh, with the, the hot doorknobs. And yes, stuff. exactly. I just found yeah. that hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, dude, later in the movie, when uh, he hops in that tent with Belloc and, and Marion and he shows his hand and it's like, he looks like he's got Play-Doh in mm. his hand because it's all, it's like formed to the shape of the medallion. That was disgusting. So super gross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I thought it was interesting. Well, it's, I guess talking about Marion, right? It's pretty cool that they kind of did that same scene where she's drinking the other person on, under the table mm-hmm. to kind of like allude to us, be like, let her, let us know the audience know that, she's going to do this later on. Yeah. It's, or no, not it's let us up. know that she's going to do this later on, but whenever she does it later on, we're like, oh, she's about to drink this guy under the table. Mm-hmm. And she like hides the knife with her shirt and stuff. And Yes. Yeah. And this whole thing was weird. Like, why does he have a wedding dress out in the desert for her to like just to wear? Like, this was bizarre. This guy's a freak. Like, <laughs> that dude is a freaking perv. <laughs> like, through and through. Yeah. He's going around with dresses. Ugh. Uh, and the thing that like sucked about him is that I felt like he was so agnostic. It wasn't just, it wasn't like, to me, it wasn't so much that he had the same ideals as like the Nazi party. It was just that he just wanted to find the Ark and he didn't care by what means or who was funding it for him. Mm-hmm. And that's like evil in a way too. So it was just, yeah. it was really interesting. And he, he kind of plays, he kind of literally shows like Indies, like you and I are just two sides of the same coin. 
both going after the same thing. He really gets like philosophical about like why is archaeology even important at times. He has like mm-hmm. the whole thing is you know see this watch. I bought it for like twenty bucks. It's useless, but I throw it in the desert a hundred years from now. It's priceless. It's he, he kind of I I don't know if he's like trying to sort of question the like how ethical archaeology is or just like questioning like is this even important because like we could just be finding someone else's garbage like why do we care about this sort of thing yeah one of like the big scenes i wanted to mention was just i just love everything at cairo that we get like i love all the chase scenes we get through the cities with like him and marion and Mm -hmm. she gets kidnapped um you know the fight scene between him and the dude with the big sword and he just shoots him um Mm -hmm. that's just great (laughs) and i'm pretty sure everybody kind of knows this fun fact but they were everybody on the set was just fucking sick like everybody had like some sort of gi bug and everybody's just kind of shaking their brains out and so this is supposed to be like a big elaborate fight scene and harrison ford was really sick that day so he just said how about i just shoot him and uh <laughs> so he just shoots him he goes back to bed and he's sick and uh yeah i kind of i feel like that's like a fun fact everybody knows but you gotta mention it wasn't the only person who didn't get sick on that trip was steven spielberg because he just ate spaghettios that he brought the yep time? yep yeah. he like was scared to eat the local food so yeah he just brought cases and cases of spaghettios which is disgusting <laughs> <laughs> that's funny and this this all was like shot in tunisia right yeah okay i wonder if there's like I don't know, because like Star Wars was shot in in Tunisia. Like Star Tunisia is Tatooine, mm. you know. Maybe there was like some sort of connection there. Probably, yeah. It's probably George yeah. going. Oh, I know the perfect place to go to because yeah, yeah, I know a guy. <laughs> um, loved the architecture in those places, mm-hmm. uh, like the different doorways and like the marketplace and how you, how everywhere is just kind of like a maze. Uh, I thought it was super fun. Yes, I thought it was really cool yeah definitely and we actually get to see some like archaeological digs like we get to see the dig sites and i love i think one of my favorite parts was in indy goes when he like uses the actual correct height for the staff to find where the arc actually is like with like the sunbeam this was really cool because it's like this very like like moment of awe of like oh wow like this was like a big step in him finding it and it was super cool and almost paranormal in a way just i mean it's not just because it's just literally sun just light going through a medallion but like it was it was like very bright and just the light filled the room um mm-hmm. i don't know and you just kind of see his face light up and like just like watch like wonder when this happens it's just so cool so and yeah. you know eventually get to the arc and the, the whole like snakes why i have to be snakes Harrison Ford is really funny in interviews with him explicitly going out of his way to be like, just for the record, I don't have a fear of snakes. Like, I don't have a fear of snakes or bugs or anything. That was just a character trait. Like, I'm a manly man. I don't care. Oh, my God. But this is my personal <laughs> like, nightmare. Right, cares. This is my personal what, nightmare. Yes, I have a phobia of snakes. I do not like snakes. Yet. So wow. this is my personal nightmare. <laughs> I didn't know that about you. Well, rest assured, those snakes were actually just legless lizards. Most of them it's were, like, yeah. Most, yeah. And then, the, um, uh, well, no, I was going to say that the, the asps that they, that they mention um, in the movie of like, they said that that's what those were the types of snakes. So asps were actually like a symbol of royalty in, in ancient Egypt and uh. were the preferred uh, execution style <laughs> was a snake bite. Yeah. Yikes. And that's kind of like lethal fun- injection in like BC kind of. Yeah. No, it really was. Uh, Cleopatra actually ended her life that way. So Ooh. fun fact. Yeah. Morbid fact. 
Oh man. So <laughs> What were you gonna say? What was your fun fact about snakes, Brucker? Oh, just that uh so we get the I feel like this is another fun fact a lot of people know, but there's this uh point where him and the cobra are like meet eye to eye mm-hmm. and during this they had like just like a, a, a piece of glass in between them. And in the original release you could see the reflection of the cobra in the glass. It has uh, now been like digitally removed but so you don't like, mm-hmm. see it anymore but it's really funny i was listening to steven spielberg talk about this and this was an interview like semi-recent probably probably like within the last 10 years i think and he they were asking him about this like yeah that was something that we just like couldn't get around because it was either we dimmed the lights too much and you couldn't see anything or we had the lighting right where we wanted it, but you still had the reflection. So I decided to just have the lighting where we wanted it. And he's like, nobody would notice. And he said, everybody noticed. Um, <laughs> and he's like, and people are asking him, is this still in there? Like, did you go back and edit that out? Because no, 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 I left it in. Unless my friend George went back and redid it. Because you know how he likes to do that, which I find hilarious. <laughs> yeah, he does. It's like, yeah, he definitely, it's like, yeah, he did. Because on like the dvd now like it's not on there so i kind of find that hilarious like i wonder if like him just watching it on dvd at home going god damn it george like when did you do this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. george just does things under behind his back he doesn't even know yeah that's <laughs> hilarious oh man uh any other scenes or anything that stuck out to you before we move on to message of the movie no i mean nothing big i just thought that um it was cool seeing dr octopus in this movie who was he in this he was uh the guide indiana jones's guide in the beginning of the movie where he's like throw me the whip and then he oh yeah throw me the that's... idol and i'll give you the whip oh that was i totally forgot fun, fun fact <laughs> <laughs> i thought that was cool all righty yeah. so nate um this this one was kind of difficult to ponder on but what is what, what's your interpretation of like the message or takeaway of this movie Okay, so I have actually have a, a few things to say. Okay. Nothing too deep, I want to say. Uh, but a couple themes were is that um, history is to both to be both uh, respected and appreciated, and that you can't really control what you don't fully understand. <clears throat> that goes with like the the Nazis kind of disrespecting what the Ark represents, and that you know maybe it wasn't meant to be open. Uh, and they didn't they didn't really grasp that and that actually led to their downfall mm-hmm. eventually um and then a couple messages is that uh i thought there was a little bit of feminism in there uh with marion kind of holding her own with the drinking because uh, there were moments where like indy was going to quote unquote save her uh but i mean for the most part she like got herself out of every situation on her own so i thought that was like mm-hmm. very interesting to see in an 80s movie yeah yeah, yeah um, and karen allen is just awesome yeah she was she was great in this yeah yeah um and then the other one was just like arrogance can be your downfall because uh, i guess like the french archaeologists and the nazis were pretty cocky because they gained control over the ark and that gave them I, th- I think it was like invincibility is that what the whole purpose of that was yeah and i think they uh, the Belloc was talking about how they want this as like a transmitter to God for some reason. I don't know exactly, I, but like, they're I just looking know. after powerful artifacts for their horrible causes. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, it was just like that led to their downfall because they, despite all, 
all clues, like they opened the thing and it kind of made off a little wood noise, I probably would have shut it immediately. But they went for it anyways and led to their downfall. And then to a lesser extent, uh, arrogance plays a role with... Uh, you mentioned that sword guy where it was going to be like a big action scene and then Indy just shot him. Mm-hmm. It was... <laughs> I feel like that was like a little bit of uh, arrogance because the guy like had his swords and he was doing like this big thing to kind of like intimidate Indy and then Indy just like shoots him and it was yeah. just like a completely effortless situation. But <laughs> uh, arrogance can lead to your downfall. That is the message. <laughs> I like that. Um, I pondered a long time on this, so I kind of like to use this segment as like a very fluid concept of like what sort of things can you interpret or take away from this? So last night, I thought a long time about, you know, who is Indiana Jones and, like, who can identify with him? Like, what sort of, what kind of person does he sort of, like, represent? Um, And I didn't want to go so cliche with, like, oh, he represents professors or he represents archaeologists or he represents somebody looking for adventure. I felt like that that in itself was too much of a niche. So to me, so my kind of, like, takeaway, just, like, pondering this is that, he is a character that it's about it's about like getting out of your own routine or doing something different and kind of like the grass is always greener on the other side because because not so much as like this movie's about to be more adventurous or you know it's about him as a, like an adventurer i think it's about him wanting to do something different and so that we see he is a professor but I, f- I feel like he doesn't like being a professor like i think he likes being an educator and he likes archaeology but i don't think he really cares too much about being in the classroom all that often. And mm-hmm. we see that, you know, with him getting out of his routine and doing something different, he, he gets so many pluses out of this. He, you know, he's reunited with like a previous love interest. He's reunited with his friend Sala. He's a thousand miles away from his troubles and responsibilities. He's not even thinking about that. Um, so to, and to, that's kind of like what I got from this is that it's, it, it, he kind of represents the person who's just like looking to get out of something, just get out of their normal routine to do something different, to feel to feel more adventurous, not exactly be more adventurous per se. Um, and that's kind of so, so, something I got a little bit from this that perhaps that's a person can identify with that. Not so much like, oh, I wish I could travel and go on adventures, whatever, but just more like, I would like to do something different from that's slightly related, but not my day job. You know what I mean? So that's kind of something I got from this. Dude, I love that. I love that deep dive because I feel like that's super relatable because a lot of people, especially right now, kind of feel like they're in like the same rhythms and just kind of going through the motions. And it is nice to kind of like switch it up a little bit and put a little spice in your life. So, yeah, I like that. Thank you. Um, All right, man. Sequel talk. I said earlier this there are some pretty good sequels to this movie but ignoring those just presented what's here today should there be a sequel absolutely um definitely a sequel i think my worry had i mean i've seen all these other movies once right but um i think my worry would be that they would play too much on like the arc and do a sequel to the arc so i wouldn't Mm. really want that but um i think the type of sequel i would want is like other historical um, artifacts yeah other historical artifacts to to go after uh and learn more about and be interested in which I, they do <laughs> they yes. do do that so yeah no i i totally agree yeah i i gave this a 
big old capital Y-E-S, yes, sequel, absolutely. And I agree with you, shouldn't be about the arc. There should be a different, a new MacGuffin each time mm-hmm. than going after something else. And that's something that we do get in the other sequels too. And as we all know, he's, he's going after something different. And it's always a different part of the world too, which I like. I, lo- I want v- a variety in this. I don't always want to be going back to the desert. Even He does go to the desert in the other one of the other sequels, but it's still a lot of fun to to see everything. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I think he actually also goes back to like a similar place to where we were in the beginning. Yeah, he definitely um, goes back to South America. Yeah, because they. I think this movie played a lot on like the Aztecs and the Incas, and I think the last one plays a lot on the Mayans. Mm. So they kind of like that. I feel like they like that South Central American type of region. Mm-hmm. And it's something that just feels exotic to Americans too. So, um, mm-hmm. before we uh, wrap things up, I want to quickly give a shout out and a, a plug to Dustin's show. Dustin can read. Uh, go check out his episode called "The Broken Chain." Nate and I recorded some very fun character voices for him. Um, it's a quick, like, little fifteen-minute episode. He, Dustin, is going through some short stories he wrote as a kid and he's bringing them to life with a full production value with music and sound effects and different character voices and nate and i got to read some lines for him so go check out dustin can read the broken chain is the name of the episode it's a lot of fun thank you dustin and everyone else that participated in our uh take a shot questionnaire uh please uh you know follow us on instagram at film on the rocks podcast and on twitter at film on the rocks too uh, be more in- to engage with us and also to reply to those questions for those uh, fun shout outs um, and be on the lookout for next uh, our next episode on 1977 Star Wars A New Hope I'm really excited to continue <sighs> the adventure with that movie I, I can see in your eyes you have a lot to say bro can't freaking wait oh my <laughs> god <laughs> this podcast belongs in a museum <laughs> I don't know why I said that. (laughs) Me neither. It's not even from this movie. It's from the third Indiana movie, and I love it. Oh, shit. Nope. But, um, and also, lastly, thank you to our patrons. Uh, We've been having a really fun time covering The Mandalorian on there. It's been a blast. So, thank you to Ethan and Katie. And lastly, if you want to follow us on Letterboxd, you can find us at Film on the Rocks, or uh, if you want to keep up with what we're doing and other things we're watching outside of the podcast. So until next week, we'll be back with Star Wars. Thanks, everybody, for checking this out. Bye. Hey friends, I hope y'all enjoyed that episode of Film on the Rocks. Before you go, we wanted to let you guys know that our Patreon is now in full swing at patreon.com forward slash film on the rocks. We have a $2 tier to become one of our drinking buddies, Water School 2. This includes early access to episodes, bonus episodes, polls for what we cover, and so much more. So come check it out. 
Once again, that is patreon.com forward slash film on the rocks. Check the show notes for our links.